This is Fordham Conversations. I'm Nora Flaherty. Hey, kiddo. We're going to start. We can start down this way. Last week, I made a trip down to Brooklyn to visit the Granville T. Woods Elementary School. That's PS 335 in Bedford-Stuyvesant. And this is our first grade. The neighborhood that PS 335 (laughs) serves is one of the poorest in the city. And until a few years ago, the school was one of its district's most underachieving, plagued by apathy, violence, and abysmal test scores. Today, though, things are different. When I visited, the summer program was in session. And they have these uh, university themes for, for each classroom. So to give the children this, this idea that, you know, when they finish high school that they're going on to college, you know, and that starts in kindergarten. Today, the students at PS 335 pass state math tests at a rate of 97 percent and state English tests at a rate of 87 percent. That's up from 30 and 26 percent a few years ago. This is our fifth grade class. And um, we have our uh, math coach standing over there. One of the big reasons that PS 335 has seen such a change is Laverne Nimmons. Nimmons, who received her doctorate in education from Fordham, is the principal of PS 335. She's been working at the school for six years, and in that time, she and her colleagues have been working diligently to turn the school around in the face of problems like homelessness, HIV, and incarceration that schools in more affluent communities don't have to deal with. On many levels, they've been really successful. Kids at PS 335 are still dealing with a lot of stuff. So are the teachers and administrators, not least an electrical problem that had the lights out twice when I was there. Um, And this has been happening for like the last two years. In order to get it repaired, we would have to go through the custodial office and he would have to go through his managing company. And his managing company would have to go to the Department of Education and just to get the wires you know, reorganized so that we can get consistent electricity. So it's a, it's a big problem. But when I spoke to Laverne Nimmons in her office last week, she was sanguine about the school's prospects for helping to create successful kids. Laverne Nimmons, thanks so much for talking with me. Yes, it's a pleasure to speak with you. I'm just so happy that you came in to, to talk with us and see our school and just kind of, you know, get involved with, with what's happening in our community. You've been here for six years. Um, When you first started, what did you encounter in terms of, you know, the problems facing the school, the problems facing the community, um, circumstances that these kids were coming to school with? Well, it was a very, very low-achieving school. And as I'd mentioned before, they had uh, several different administrators. And um, there was a great deal of violence in the school. I had parents literally cursing me out in the hallway, children just fighting at will. Um, I had teachers who uh, were so distraught that they just didn't even come back to work. I had teachers walk out and just not come back to work, you know. Um, So you had classrooms that you had to manage. You had children that that you had to really support and work with and and just give them what they needed in order to achieve, um, not only academically but socially. They had to learn how to get along. Teachers had to learn how to get along with parents. Parents had to learn how to um, work with their children at home as well as come in school and work with us as a staff and, and teachers and administration here at 335. So I walked into a great deal of work, <laughs> to say the least. Um, and I recognized it immediately. Before coming here, I was the uh, director of curriculum and instruction for the entire district. So I knew this school, and I knew the problems that they were having before arriving here. 
So when I got here, I knew what to expect, but I didn't, I didn't realize that it was, it was as, as difficult or as, or as deep as it was when I came, when I started working here as the principal. Tell me about, about this neighborhood, about Bed-Stuy. Um, Bedford-Stuyvesant is always, um, uh, we have a, a large number of, uh, of children, uh, teenagers, who have uh, HIV, AIDS in the, in the entire country. We have a very, have, we have one of the largest communities of, of teenagers um, who um, also are incarcerated. And we have the largest number of uh, young people who come back into the community from being incarcerated. Um, it's very, very challenging, and, and our job as uh, educators is even more uh, challenging because you want the very best for children. You want them to be able to read and to, to grow and to be productive citizens and, and to be a major part of not only the community in which we live, but also the, the outside, the, the greater community. And with what's been happening with the, the last few years, um, I would say particularly for District 16, which is a major part of uh, Bedford-Stuyvesant. Most of our schools are in Bedford-Stuyvesant. We have made tremendous e- increases in, the, in terms of children scoring high um, on these exams and bridging the achievement gap uh, between impoverished communities and, and more affluent communities. The research has, has shown that... Uh, what happens with children at second and third grade determines their success in, in the future. And um, it's been said that they use the test scores from our third graders to determine how many prisons they're going to build. So the number of third graders who are not successful on these exams those numbers are carried forward to determine how many children are going to, or how many of these young people are going to um, end up in prison. So that makes our job very, very important here in Bedford-Stuyvesant to make sure that our children succeed in the very lower grades so that as they move up, they'll succeed in high school and on to college or even in, in city employment if that's what they choose. But we want to give them that opportunity, and and that's mainly because of uh, the reputation that Bedford Stuyvesant has in terms of the, the poverty and the violence, and the idea that we have the largest again the largest number of our children, leave us and they go on to to prison, and and that's what we are working so hard for now. That's why um, it's so exciting to make sure that our students are reading and that they're doing math, and that they're successful socially in school as well, and that violence does not exist within the school community, and that we make relationships with or create relationships with our um, local uh, police department to make sure that um, our communities are, are, are being supported, you know, so that there's not that violence there. And um, we're uh, in partnership with many hospitals in the community, and we have um, practitioners come in and counsel our children. We have a counselor that's on board, and she works with our uh, most of our children who are really severely emotionally disturbed. 
We also have three guidance counselors who are here full-time to support our children because that's needed and that's extremely important. So, you know, with that counseling and then with the academic achievement that's in place, it's, it's just been extremely enlightening, if you will, towards what our children need. And it's moved us forward tremendously. <laughs> You're listening to Fordham Conversations on WFUV 90.7 and WFUV.org. I'm Nora Flaherty. We're talking today on the show with Laverne Nimmons. Nimmons is the principal of Public School 335 in the Bedford-Stuyvesant section of Brooklyn. That neighborhood's one of the poorest in the city, and Nimmons and her colleagues have been working to improve the test scores and the prospects of its kids. Let's get back to our conversation. You mentioned the, uh, the reputation of Bedford-Stuyvesant. What is that reputation? What kinds of issues are people coming in from, from home and from the neighborhood with? Uh, well, this is, this is, we're still working with the majority of our children who live in poverty. And they bring with them, although our school environment is just bright and, and brilliant um, and beautiful, our children still come from um, homes where their parents um, or their families make an income of $10,000 a year. And with that, they come with uh, all of those issues um, that surround poverty. For example, um, we have a large number of children in foster care. We have a large number of children that have been abandoned by their families, which is why they're in foster care. And, and I'll tell you, in some of our children, we've had to recommend to, to Agency of Child Services, and the Agency of Child Services put them in foster care because they were neglected by the, fam- by the parents. About 17, 18% of our children are homeless. So we have a homeless population that we're working with. And what happens with our homeless children is that they're displaced. So they send them to the Bronx and to, to live in a shelter. And the parents want some kind of continuity for their children. So we've had children traveling from the Bronx to come here, to go to school here, so they have that continuity. We have a, a great deal of uh, spousal abuse where women are being battered, you know. Single-parent households, we have uh, approximately 70% of our children are, come from single-parent households. And where parents are working, they're not home for children, so we have a large number of latchkey children. So unlike the more affluent communities where parents provide Um, after-school activities for their children. They provide that academic rigor after school. They provide that academic rigor on the weekend. Our children uh, do not have that luxury. That luxury comes from us. We have to provide that. So uh, the poverty is is very, very real. I have to say that, that my teachers and my staff, we do a great job. My guidance counselors, we do a great job of protecting children. And, and keeping them focused and keeping them vibrant. But the poverty sometimes can be overwhelming. In our after-school program, we have to provide um, meals because our children, um, they don't have food. They, a, a large number of our children are hungry. If we didn't feed them, they wouldn't eat. So we have um, dinner served or supper served in our after-school program. So we provide breakfast, we provide lunch, and we provide dinner for our children who stay for the after-school program, and we have a majority of children that stay. And on Saturdays, we provide breakfast and lunch when we have our Saturday Academy. 
So um, these are some of the things that, that, that occur in, in, in poor communities. Uh, children, our children walk the streets one, two o'clock in the morning. You know, our parents, you know, we have a, uh, a methadone clinic maybe about a block away from here, and our parents, you know, many of our parents are going to that clinic so that they can be treated. But we do, we do have children who are, you know, walking the streets at night with their parents. And I'm talking about second, third graders who come into school and they sleep on the desk because they've been up all night. We have children who have, who have brought in different uh, narcotics that their parents sell at home. And we've had to report that to, pol- to, to the police and um, had called ACS. And we've had one case where um, the child, the, the, well, it was a family of uh, two children were removed from their household because the child brought in drugs from the home. And, 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 I, and you know, I'm sorry to say that that happens, you know, more often than not. You know, uh, children, there's a lot of gun violence in the community that really must be addressed. It, it is on some levels, like we have Senator Adams, Eric Adams, who comes to our school often, and he works with us around the violence, but we need more. We need much, much more. I have children who are afraid to come to school because they saw their friend get shot in the housing project. So it, it's, you know, I have, I have siblings who... Um, have seen their their uh, their brothers uh, shot. One child was riding a bike, and they wanted to take his his bike. And um, he was in high school when this happened. But um, we had his sister here in pre-K, a brother in fourth grade, another sister in fifth grade. You know, who were all affected by this. And we have to give them support. We can't just overlook it and say, oh, well, it'll be all right. We have to provide the kind of emotional support that's going to, you know, get our children through, get them to success, if you will, you know. So you guys have a lot of responsibilities that that schools and more affluent communities do not have. Exactly. Exactly. In fact, I, you know, I was having a conversation with one of the CSA uh, VPs. The CSA is Counselors of Supervisors and Administrators. That's my um, union. And uh, um, he was telling me that after school, children are sent to these private um, tutoring centers. And they're out until 9, 10 o'clock at night sometimes just studying and, and working. You know, and on the weekends, there are just a tremendous amount of activities that's provided for them, um, of course, by their families. Well, that doesn't happen here in Bedford-Stuyvesant in, in, in many cases. That doesn't happen here at PS335. We give the support uh, for our children after school. We make certain that they have a a meal that they can enjoy, and and then from there they go on to their after-school activities, both academic activities as well as um, activities. We have, um, you know, sessions in the arts, and we have sessions in music after school for them as well as sports, you know. So it's very good drama, you know. So it's very exciting for them after school, but that's provided by the school. And this is not happening in affluent communities because it's not needed. The families can um, manage that. And on weekends, we have our uh, academies on weekends as well to support our children so that they have those same kinds of activities that they have after school on Saturday. You mentioned earlier you met a lot of resistance when you first started. I can understand why you would meet resistance from teachers because it sounds like they're working a lot harder now. 
But why would parents be resistant to what you wanted to do? With our parents in this impoverished community, they need the support also. They need a lot of workshops. They need a lot of support, how to help their children with homework, how to help their children prepare for the test, how to give their, make sure that their children have, a, have nutrition. And, and this wasn't happening. They were really ignored. Um, they weren't informed. They weren't brought into the community. So uh, when I came in, they, they thought that they were going to get, I would imagine, they thought that it was going to be more of the same. So, you know, I brought respect back. I brought support back. I, I let them know that they're welcome into this building. This is their building. Um, uh, it's, uh, it's extremely, you know, um, important that they know that and that they not feel rejected and that they, not, they feel like they, they're not a part of this organization and that they, they need to know that we cannot do this work without you. And you have to, the most important thing you have to do is, as a parent, is make certain that your child is prepared to come into school and to do this work. Meaning, they have to get rest at night. You have to help them with their homework. They have to eat properly. You know, um, they have to be in, in an environment that's going to help them grow and, and help them, um, well, to, just to make sure that they're ready to be here and, and work in school, you know, so they're not, they're not sleeping at their desks. So, uh, and we'll feed them. We'll make sure that they're, that they're eating, but we cannot clothe them. You have to make sure that the clothes are clean, that their hair is done, that, you know, that, you know they, they're, they're all washed up and ready to come to school. And when that doesn't happen, then we put our guidance counselors in. And our guidance counselors will support our parents to make sure that this happens. So, um, you know, it's, it's just a community working together, and the parents are a major part of that, and they know that, and they know that they're respected here, you know, and they know that, that they're welcome into the building anytime, and they know that we need them, and we cannot do this work without our parents being strong and right there behind their children. So, and even if parents can't come in, and, and give their time to the school and, and work in classrooms and work in our lunchrooms and work with our art teachers and, you know, work with our music teacher and go on trips with us. If they cannot do that, that's understandable. But make sure that your child comes to school prepared. That's the most important thing, is that they come to school prepared and ready to learn. And how do you encourage that among parents who aren't already doing it? Again, we invite them to come in. We, we find out what interests them. We send out surveys. We ask them, how can, what can we do to make you feel a part of the school? What can we do to, to support you so that you feel more comfortable with the school? And um, we get the word out. We get the word out. If we, if we have to make phone calls, we send out flyers. Again, we send out surveys. Um, we do home visits, especially for children who are absent. Uh, we do home visits, and we meet with parents and families right in their homes if we have to. But we have a very, very strong outreach program. Um, we give awards to our children who, who show improvement, who come to school every day prepared. We acknowledge it, we celebrate it, and we celebrate their families as well. We give, we give perfect attendance awards not only to our children, but we give them to our parents too, because if our parents didn't get them up to come into school, <laughs> they, wouldn't, they wouldn't make it in. This is Fordham Conversations on WFUV 90.7 and WFUV.org. I'm Nora Flaherty. 
I had this morning on Cityscape, homelessness in New York City from the inside. That Cityscape with George Bodarkey this morning at 7.30 on WFUV. But first, I'm talking today on the show with Laverne Nimmons, the principal of PS335 in Bedford-Stuyvesant. Let's hear the rest of that conversation. It's summer now, obviously. What is going on at the school right now? I can see it's not empty. Yeah. Well, we are very fortunate this summer, although it was really, a, it seemed like a battle to, to get summer going because they closed a lot of the schools for the summer because of, you know, funding issues, you know. Um, so they closed, they were, they were only opening two summer schools. That's one all the way on the north side of the district and one like further on the, uh, the, the south side of the district so that you know, the children can go to either one of these schools for summer school. So we had no children for summer school. So that means that we were gonna be here, our children were going to be here in the summer with nothing to do. There are no camps going on in the summer. There are no programs that are happening in the summer for children because of money, because of funding. So the children were going to be left in this particular community home, watching television all day, you know, because parents are afraid to let them out because of the violence that occurs. So they stay home all day and watch TV, which means that they really, they don't have a very productive summer. So we had to take our funding for next year, and only my school is doing this in in this district. Other schools, they call it self-funding. Other schools are self-funding, but um, I'm the only school that's self-funding in, in District 16. And um, I did it so that my children will have activities in the summer, so that they will have summer school, so that all of the great gains that we made in the spring and last year will not be lost in the summer with inactivity. So we found the funding, and we started, uh, we have a summer school of approximately 200 children. And um, then money was released from the state, an oasis, um, which is the, uh, the after-school program, they were able to start a camp. So now when our children leave summer school at 1230, they go to camp until 4. And this is going to happen until August 14th. So that means that our children will have six weeks of really positive, strong, engaging summer activities. And, and my school, as I said, is the only school in the district that has opened up the school for the summer for enrichment. In addition to that, we've had uh, Teach for America um, teachers come from all over the country, first-year teachers, to train here with our children at PS335, right here in Bedford-Stuyvesant. This is where they're training to work with children, and then they're going to go, the, the teachers that are here from Teach for America, when they leave here, they're going to go throughout the country working with other children in impoverished communities and giving them the, the same kind of support that we're giving our children here. So the wonderful part of this summer program is not only that we're giving our children the service that they need and the support that they need to continue to do well, but we're also training teachers that are going to go out into communities very similar to this one, and they're going to do this great work for children. So it, it's very exciting.
So when we, you know, walk around, when we walk through the building, you'll see the teachers working with our children and you'll see, it, you know, the, uh, the engagement and the activities and the beautiful faces and you'll, you'll see all of the wonderful values that, that's been instilled in our children from, from not only, of course, the work that we've done with their families, but also from our, the, the work that our, guide, our guidance counselors have done, our teachers have done to create this just wonderful community of trust and care and kindness, support, you know, um, consistency, all the wonderful, you know, things that, that just just make you happy, you know, to just to be a part of something is happening here now for the summer. And it's something that's been happening, you know, for the past few years, you know, and we didn't have that when I first came here to PS335. We didn't have, um, you know, community. We were, everyone was out for themselves. Everyone was, was, you know, um, just kind of grabbing and holding on to what they could hold on to and and not really be concerned about the others. Like teachers would say, this is my class and I'm going to do this for my class and I don't care what that class does or I don't care what that teacher does or, you know, I don't, that child is not in my class so I don't care about that child. That's what used to happen. That doesn't happen anymore. Now everyone is working together for the entire community. Every, every child belongs to everyone. Every teacher here is responsible for every child. And, and every staff member, from our custodial staff to our kitchen staff to, to you know, our uh, guidance counselors, paraprofessionals, our nurse, everyone is responsible for every child in this building. And every child is looked at as an, an individual in terms of their academic work and their social behavior. We look at them as individuals and we plan with them as, as individuals. And then we come together as a, as a, as a community. So it's, it's very exciting. For someone who's not familiar with this neighborhood or the issues that are facing the school or anything like that, what do you really want to communicate to them? Um, that we, we are a caring, we're a supportive community. We care about our future. We want to be a part of the entire. Um, we we just do, we we are just not Bedford Stuyvesant. We are the city of New York. We are a major part of the city. We are striving for success. We're striving to be the best, and we feel like we are the the best. Um, uh, as, I, as I tell my children and, and, my, and my, my teachers, the best in the world. We're, we're absolutely the best that the world has to offer. So please come in, come visit us, speak with us, just hear about the exciting things that we're doing. If you hear something negative about Bedford-Syverson, then dig deep so that you can see and hear about the positive that's happening in this community. Um, uh, unfortunately, the, the news paints a, a very uh, different picture than what's actually happening here. Um, we have children that are growing up to be, become fine citizens and helping the world as they are in, in, in every other you know, community in this, in this very, very fine, fine city. So um, it's 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 we're um, much like um, any other community in the city. 
Um, and we're, we're always open and, um, we're, we're willing to take suggestions and we, we feel that we're, uh, we're, we're open and inviting and we want everyone to come in and be a part of our community. Oliver and Nimmons, thanks so much for talking to me. Oh, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Laverne Nimmons is the principal of Public School 335 in Brooklyn and a graduate of Fordham's Graduate School of Education. From WFUV 90.7 and WFUV.org, this has been Fordham Conversations. You can find our podcast at WFUV.org or listen to past shows in our audio archives at that same address. You can also email us at FordhamConversations at WFUV.org. We would, of course, love to hear from you. I'm Nora Flaherty. Cityscape is next. Thank you for listening and have a fabulous weekend. where um, it seems like this high achievement is always so far away, um, our summer school program really, you know, supports our students and, and lets them know that, you know, again, I, and I said it before and I'm repeating myself, but it's, it's great repetition that they are truly the best children in the world and they have so much to offer. So, you know, okay, my darling. <laughs> So we look at we look at success and determination and, and respect and we align it to our curriculum as well. So it's pretty exciting. Pretty exciting. This is WFUV ninety point seven and WFUV.org.